Thank you. Yeah, so I'm Pastor Ryan. This is my wife, Grace. Um, we're getting right into um, a church for generations. We've been talking about uh, this for the last couple of weeks. We're getting right in today, becoming like a child. And um, I, the more I think about this, the, the, the stranger it is to me, this is one of the hardest things to do is to connect with a child, to relate to children. It's just, no matter if you love children or you hate children or you like to talk to children or you have no idea who these crazy little kids are, it's, it's a challenging thing. And it's so odd to me because it's the one thing that everybody in here has in common. No matter where you were raised or how you were raised, every single one of us at some point, I think, was a child. And we've grown up and somehow we, f- we forget what it was like and we forget how to talk to them. Um, Jesus talks about why it's so important. And um, we're going to get right to that. Matthew 18.3 says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm, I was thinking about this verse and how Jesus is talking to his disciples and the people around him. He's using kids as his example. And I, is he talking about like being a kid where we just throw tantrums? We're just like, I don't want to do it. Like, he's not talking about tantrums. He's not talking about lacking knowledge or being childish. Obviously, he's talking about being childlike. And there, there's certain things that God puts in kids, and there's certain things that God has put into us when, when we're little that are good things that are meant to stay with us as we grow. And somehow we hold on to the childish things and those tantrums and those fits and, like, not having logic and doing silly things as we grow. And we lose the childlikeness, the wonder and the imagination and the things that are, that are good about children. Are you with me on that? You, have you experienced that? The... Um, well, we, w- we went on a trip to uh, Kentucky with my, with my kids and uh, most of our family. And um, we're driving to Kentucky, and we're hungry, so obviously we stop and eat at Chick-fil-A because it's the only place you can stop and eat with kids that they'll actually eat something. And um, I, we walk in, and there's this Chick-fil-A, for whatever reason, just right off the highway, packed full of kids, just the most kids I've ever seen in a building at one time, and they're just everywhere. Some of them are climbing up the walls. Some of them are eating their food. Some of them are screaming and throwing a fit. Some of them are sleeping. Some of them are looking at iPads. There's just all kinds of kids, all different kinds of parents, all different kinds of backgrounds, and they're all right there together. And it just kind of, it was one of those moments, and I don't know if you've felt like this before, but like maybe you're at a park or at Disney, and you see kids everywhere, and I just felt like I was looking at the future. And just like this moment where I was like outside of time for a second, and you just feel it's like, whoa, all of these kids are going to grow up and be somebody. Like, these are, this is the next generation. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I was there, that you were there, where we were the next generation. And who are these kids going to turn out to be? Like, what are they going to become? And that got me thinking even more. Like, who did we become? And who, did, who did you become? And I like to look at it in maybe a different way. Who would you have become since we're not those kids anymore? Like, if the imagination like the, the kids have, if that wasn't crushed, if that was actually guided and encouraged when you were a kid, who would you have been? Like, what, what would you be doing today that's, that would be different? You know, it, what if you, when you were a child, if you'd been given the attention that you really needed, that you really wanted, how much confidence would you have today? And, and if when you were a kid, if you had structure in your life, if you had a safe place where you knew, I, I could rely on this guy, I could rely on these people, I could rely on that place, that there was a safe place, like, what would be different about your life today if you had that when you were growing up? And so as we're talking, we're looking at connecting with kids. I also want to look at what it looks like to be a kid. 
and what it looks like to be childlike for us too. So you might not have kids here today. Um, you might not have any interest in kids at all, but Jesus makes it clear that we need to at least look at it and think about it a little bit. Um, we've got three big ways we're going to look at it, and my wife will get into those, all the details. I get to tell the stories. Um, imagination, attention, and structure. So we're going to look at the imagination, the attention, and the structure is what's needed with these children. So I've got a story that I want to start with for you guys. There was a guy in uh, 1864 was the year. His name was Bud Hilrick. Anybody know who Bud Hilrick was? One guy? Okay, so don't give it away. Um, you always say yes, though, so that's going to be... <laughs> Bud Hilrick in 1864, he, he had a woodworking company, and he had this family, small business, and he would take pieces of wood and put them on a spindle and carve it out with a lathe, and he would make banisters, and he had this dream to make banisters and butter churns. And I think I have a picture of a butter churn that he wanted to make. That was, that was oh, sorry, Fred Hilrick's butter churn, and he was going to revolutionize the butter industry because butter has changed so much <laughs> over the years. But Fred wanted to revolutionize the butter industry, and his son, Bud, worked right alongside him. It's the 1800s. It's what you do. You're going to learn your father's business. And he taught him how to make banisters, and he, they dreamed about butter churns. And it was all going great. And he learned his dad's structure. He learned he had the attention to detail that was put in his dad's dreams. All that stuff was in there. And until one day, Bud goes to a baseball, um, giving away the story now. Bud goes to a game, a sporting event, no specific sport. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the star player of the game breaks his equipment in the middle of the game. And so what does Bud do? He goes down to Pete Browning, the star, all-star player. And he says, come back to my dad's shop. We can fix it. We can make it better. And he takes him down, and they get on a, on a lathe, and he starts imagining and dreaming. And this practical shop where they, all they made was banisters and maybe one day butter churns. They're, they're, they're carving away, and Pete's saying, no, make it bigger here, make it smaller here. And Bud and Pete create a baseball bat. So this one looks a little funny because the ends are small, but that's kind of how it would look when they would carve it out and they would chop the ends off. And the next day, Pete takes the bat, goes back to his game, and goes three for three, three hits, big game for him. All the rest of the players on the Louisville Eclipse want Pete's bat. They want Bud's bat. They just, they need to have him. So then that team starts winning. Everybody's hitting with these bats. So then the whole league needs these bats. Everybody's, and so Fred, the dad, is like, no, we're, we're banisters, we're butter churns, we're not baseball bats, bud. No, keep, put that away. Put that away. And um, until one day the demand is just so much, so high that Fred gives in. He says, you know what, let's go with this. And a company was born, the Hillrick and Son Louisville Slugger baseball bat. Because Pete Browning's nickname was the Louisville Slugger. They named it after him. And instead of just a small family-run company, in Louisville that never would have gone anywhere except butter churns and baseball bats. They came up with a, a whole new company that's now made more bats than any company in the history of the world and has reached more people and it revolutionized an entire game that I like to watch and some of you probably don't like to watch. It's boring sometimes. But, um, but man, it, the attention to detail that the dad poured into his son, the structure that was already in place so that his son could dream big changed their family's future, and change the, the entire sport. It's pretty wild. So the three themes that we're going to be looking at today 
is imagination, attention, and structure. And these are three things that every child has within them, they need. These are also three things that they need us to connect with them in. They need us so desperately to come alongside them and say, me too. I see that too. Me too. I need that as well. And me too. I do this too. I'm going to do it too. So first, let's look at imagination. Just like Pastor Crystal said last week when she was talking about younger people, they have this ability to be so optimistic all the time, right? Everything, they're looking forward to everything. Everything's going to be great. This is a time where we want to encourage this optimism. We want to connect to them through their imagination. We want to listen to their dreams, and they want you to share your dreams with them. Um, it's a great time to read amazing books together. We, we enjoy reading the Chronicles of Narnia together. And um, right when we finished, like, the whole series, we wanted to start in the, again, like we wanted to start all over again. It's a time to, to tell them stories, just make up stories. It's, it's a time where they want to tell us their stories, and they want us to listen to them. It's a time to take them on great big adventures, right, and fill their minds with imaginations and their eyes with imaginations. So this is a picture of Nancy Long, and um, we love Nancy. She is one of the mothers and grandmothers in this church. And at, from a very young age, she's been taking her grandson, Samuel, on epic adventures, like road trips across the country, across the world, taking him to, I mean, all around the world is so awesome. Can you imagine what it would be like if when you were young, someone took the time to encourage your imagination? to take you along on adventure. And what I love about Nancy, I was actually able to go to Ecuador with her um, a few months ago. And what I love about her is that she is still in wonder of creation and the beauty of the world. And she very much has that childlikeness that she can still be in wonder. So I can imagine when she's on her trips with Samuel that she's right there with her saying, me too. I see it too. I think it's awesome too. Oh, hi, Nancy. <laughs> So let's provide them with the opportunity to be filled with wonder, and let's join them in that. Psalm 78.4 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. This is the time when they're young. We don't need to wait until they're older when we want to tell them about how great our God is. We want to tell him the wonderful things that he's done. We want to tell them the times that he's come through in our lives, the miracles we've seen, what he's done in our own hearts. We want to connect to them to the big story that they're a part of. We want to teach them to be caught up in the wonder of God. And the best stories, the best movies, the best fairy tales, we know that they captivate us because they mirror some aspect of the greatest story of all time, right? Of God creating the world, rescuing us, that he's coming back for us one day. So in this time where they're always expecting the best, show them that there is actually something to put an anchor in with that, with all their hopes and with all their expectations, that his power does change our daily lives. And um, a few years ago, um, I went through some, some classes with the healing team, which Miss Susan leads, and it was really awesome. And it just taught me that it's not like this, you know, 
I don't know, weird and, and fantastical thing, but God loves to be in our lives every day, right? So we should pray for the sick and expect that they're going to be healed. So this is something that we have done with our kids um, since, since they were little. And my oldest son, he just expects it. Anytime, you know, one of his sisters or someone or a friend is hurt, it doesn't make any sense for him not to pray for them and to ask God to heal them. Because if we believe that God made us all, that he created us, then why would we not pray and ask him to heal? Um, but what is awesome is that we don't want this to just be something that's just words. Something that we tell him is a good idea, but he never actually sees it in everyday life. And um, the other day we were going out to dinner, and there was a man who was obviously struggling. Um, it was out, outside the macaroni grill. And so I was like, I think that guy's in trouble. You want to go try to help him, Ryan? And so Ryan went over there to him, and it turned out that he was having a seizure, and it was pretty bad. So he was trying to, um, you know, help him be in a, a safe um, place while he was having that seizure. And so Caden, you know, at first I was like, should I, like, hide Caden's eyes, or should I, you know, take him away? But I just, I told him, okay, that man is having trouble, and so Daddy's going to help him. And we'll go in and we'll go have dinner and then, you know, and daddy will be in, in shortly. And so when Ryan comes back, you know, comes into the restaurant, of course, Caden is like, did you pray for him? Did he get healed? Because that's everyday life for him. He puts his expectations on God. And there's, there's no reason why he would think, well, we shouldn't hope for too much. Or we shouldn't try, you know, we don't want to get our hopes up and then just be let down. That's not in his mind. He's looking, looking for a reason to be excited, right? Looking for something to be hopeful about. And so Ryan was like, yeah, I, I, he was, it turned out the man was having a seizure for much, much, much longer than he usually does. And the family was very concerned. And so they called 911. And so Ryan took his hand and he said, in the name of Jesus, wake up. And in that moment, he opened his eyes. And so Ryan was able to share with, with that family. But just... This is a time where we don't want to just be like, ah, I don't want to get their hope up, hopes up. I don't want to teach them too much. I don't, in an age-appropriate way, teach them about the wonders of God. Now is the time they want their imagination to be caught up in real things, in really who God is. And when Caden was younger, he would always ask um, questions about heaven. And it was kind of like, I don't know, it made me nervous because I'm like, I don't know all the answers to his questions. These are really good questions. And so I could have, you know, tried to steer the conversation away like I do when he asks about where babies come from. So, <laughs> so I could have just been like, let's look over here. Um, or I could have been like, okay, I don't know all the answers, but if you want to know about heaven, let's pull out this, you know, giant commentary and let's dig into a study of Revelation together, my six-year-old son. No, but what I realized that he, what he wanted to do was that he wanted to think about, he wanted to talk about, he wanted to have pictures in his mind of the greatest adventure that he has ever heard of eternity, that God had planted something in his heart that he knew that there's something more than just this life, that there's something so much bigger to look forward to. And what he needed is for me to come alongside and say, I am so excited too. I see it too. I want to fill my wonder up with that too. Let's be excited together. Because I know that there will be a day when life isn't going to be as easy as it is as an eight-year-old boy. There will be a day when he will have troubles and he needs his hope to be anchored in something real. He doesn't need me to just squash it out. He doesn't need me to just, you know, calm down and learn all of the facts about it. He wants 
He needs that. He needs this to be a time of dreaming. He needs to know. He needs to know that when, when he's dreaming, that his dreams don't need to be all about him and being the best at everything and making a name for himself because he will have so many people in his life to tell him that, to give him that example, that if you dream big, it means you make a huge name for yourself. You have to be the best. You have to make sure everybody knows who you are and that you did it. He'll have plenty of people to tell him that. But he needs to know there's something better to dream about. And that's God and his glory. It's something better and bigger than just this life, which is so short in comparison with all eternity, that there are better dreams to fill his mind with. Because there might be a day when He's not the best at something. And he can see that as, oh my goodness, this means I shouldn't dream anymore. I'm crushed by this. Or he could say, wow, I see God's glory in you, Liam, his cousin, who is a genius. I see God's glory in him. He can see that in his friends instead of seeing that as, um, as something that's going to take away from his dreams. So we want to encourage our children's dreams and the kids in your life, but we don't want to just be a generic, you can do it, right? Like everything's going to turn out okay. We want to guide them in their dreams. And this is a time where we show them this is what it looks like to be caught up in the wonder of God. So the next thing that we're going to look at is attention. And every child needs attention. Every child wants attention, right? We know this. They want us to listen to them. They want us to spend uninterrupted time with them. They want quality time. They want quantity time. They want us to watch them do the somersault for the 50th time. They want us to listen to them tell the joke that we all just heard in this cartoon movie, but they're going to say it differently. And when the day comes when they want to be independent and they want to do it themselves, they will say, probably like my daughter Heidi says, <laughs> when she buckles herself, what's the first thing that she says? Look, mommy, I can do it myself. They still want our attention. And you might say, well, my kid's personality is different than that. Or you might say, I don't, I don't um, see myself in that because I never really liked attention. I don't really like the spotlight. Well, we also had a child who really hated the spotlight, like really did not like people looking at him, talking about him, talking to him. And it got to the point where one day it, it was to the point where he would go off, he would cry, and he would hide if we were telling him good things about him. And so in that, he still, he needed our attention. He needed me to see that deep need in him and to recognize that I needed to give that attention. And so I needed to seek counsel. And I went to my leader and I said, please help me. I'm, I'm probably doing something wrong here. And, and I was able to see, you know, a different way to look at this and a different way to go about parenting him. He needed my attention. He needed me to take the attention to change what I was doing, to repent. He needed me to give him the attention to pray for him, to fast for him. And I wonder what your life would have been like if someone would have given you the attention that you so desperately needed. So even today... In a world where if you're an, a parent of maybe older children, um, maybe teenagers and older, you probably look at people with babies now and you're probably like, oh my goodness, those babies have so much attention. Do not give them any more attention, right? Like my youngest daughter is four. 
It's only been four years since she was a baby, but already in those four years, they have come up with like a million baby technology contraptions that like, how did my baby survive without this, you know, thing that costs you know, an arm and a leg? How did she survive? They're always coming out with new things, right? And so you might think, kids have so much, like they have, you know, a lot of attention or, you know, might see um, the way that a birthday party is like a three-ring circus, you know what I mean? But even with that, even though I know that's a part of our culture, I do think that kids need more of our attention. And it's not just the kind of attention that's like, here, do this, just stay in your room, just, you know, just be quiet, just I'll give you anything you want, just be quiet and let me, you know, finish what I'm doing. It's not that kind of attention, but they need our eyes, they need our ears, they need us to be making them a priority in their life. Um, this is a great example of what, of, that Jesus gave us about giving kids attention. And this is when the disciples brought children, uh, sorry, uh, parents brought their children to Jesus. And some of the disciples were like, why would you do that? Why would you take his, you know, valuable time and think that he's going to spend it with children? And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his hands on them and he prayed for them and, they, and he went on from there. So he gave us an example that there are times where it is appropriate and where it is needed for us to pause everything else that looks very important everyone else that's needing our attention, and it's a time to pause and to give the kids in our lives the attention that they need. But kids don't just need attention. This is also a thing where we need to connect with them. And we can say, I need it too. I need that attention too. So we need to look forward um, opportunities to, to disciple them. Um, and here is a picture of Jack and Eli. Um, and this is such a great example to me of giving the next generation the attention that they need. Um, one night in our small group, Eli was there and he was telling us all his story, right? And how God changed his life. And it, how he started his story out with, I had this question, right? And it was, What's going to happen when I die? Like, where do I, how do I know where I go? That's a really deep question. And instead of just thinking, well, I'll just figure this out myself. I'll just, you know, live with it for a while. And I'll just, I don't know. He picked up the phone and he called someone that he knew would pause things and listen to him. And it was his Uncle Jack. And so when he called his uncle, his uncle, you know, he didn't say, okay, well, you need to do this study and that study of the Bible. And you want to listen to this, you know, sermon on YouTube. No, he's like, I'm coming over. So, we, so Eli is telling this, us this in small group that his uncle just came over and said, do you want some ice cream? Let's go get some ice cream. And as Eli is telling us what happened in Steak and Shake that night, all of us in small group, we're just like bawling our eyes. We're just like, oh my goodness, it's so awesome about how God was there and he changed Eli's life and how he was able to talk through these hard things with his uncle. And I love that this is not just something for fathers and sons, it's not just something for mothers and daughters. It's something that, is, this is what our church was founded on. It's something that should be woven into all of our hearts. That we do honor the next generation and we take the time to pause and to give them that attention that they need. To disciple them when the opportunity is there. To pray for them. And um, 
our small group that Eli goes to, we meet out in Winter Garden. Eli lives in Lake Nona, which is really far away. And uh, guess how he gets there every week? His Uncle Jack is so, so precious to me. He is such a good example to our church of what, of what we're about. And he's such a good example to look to, to take, give him that attention. And like I said, we want to connect with the, with the next generation in this, right? We're not just like, you need attention, you need help, you need work, you need counseling. I'm an adult now, so I've graduated from that. No. I need attention. And just this week, I was able to sit down with my small group leader, with my pastor, and she gave me her ear, and she gave me her counsel. And I don't expect the attention as if, you know, I'm childish. I'm not like, you're going to answer my calls exactly when I want you to. You're going to come wherever I need you to come, and you're going to save me, and you're going to take care of me. No. I know that I need that attention, so I will seek, and I will purpose myself to be a disciple. And in this way, we can be that example to the next generation and say, me too. I need it too. And lastly, we've saved the most fun, the best for last. Structure. No. <laughs> so kids really do need structure to feel peace, to feel calm, and to have that stability in their life. Kids are always trying to test the boundaries, right? If we say, okay, don't touch that, they need to know, okay, well, is this, is this a boundary? Is this a rule? Or is this like a suggestion? Or is this like your opinion? Or does it mean that I can't touch it with my finger? Maybe I can touch it with my foot. You know, what if I touch it with a really cute smile on my face? Like then that's probably, right? It's like they want to know where is the line. And when they finally found out where that line is, in their mind, at any minute, it could change, right? So they have to make sure, did mom and dad change their mind? I don't know. They could have changed their mind today. i got to test it again, right? They need that. They need to know. They need to know what's expected in life. What is good? What is bad? What is dangerous? What is safe? They need to know that. They need to know who's in charge. <laughs> and they also need to know structure as well. And... I am a recovering slob, okay? I am a self-professed free spirit. I'm artistic. My strengths, which are really good, I think, are being adaptable and <laughs> going with the flow, right? Everybody needs that. So I thank God for the organizers. I thank God for the administrators and the planners. It is a beautiful thing, and we need you so for me, it doesn't come very naturally. But something that has helped is for me to learn how to plan and learn how to, you know, succeed in that is to start with priorities. And I love any way, anytime I can think, okay, it's simple. It's not really that hard. I don't have to color code everything. Although I, I kind of like color coding now. So that's just my testimony. <laughs> so <laughs> um, to start with the simple things, start with the priorities the things that are non-negotiable in our life, right? So the most successful people, how they plan their year, even how they plan their day, right? They'll start with the most important things, and they'll put them in their place, and then they'll see where they can fit everything else around it, right? All the extra things, all the fun things, all the things you'd really like to do, but if, at the end of the day, you have to get to that most important thing. Pro it's probably something that people are depending on you for, right? Those most, most important things that I can't change. And so... Make the most important things the most important. Kids need to know 
not all of the details about everything, but they need to know the big boundaries. They need to know, they need us to set them up for a lifelong success. And the kind of structure that's going to set them up for real lifelong success might not be what, what we imagine it to be. Our children need to know that there is a God and that they are not him, right? We need to know that there is a God and that he is in charge and not us. And when we know that, when it goes deep into us, it brings that calmness and that security. And it brings the structure that we need. We need. They need to know, and we need to know that he is good, that he wants us to choose life, that he has provided everything that we need. That inside of his plan, where he says things are good, that's where we're going to find life. And it doesn't matter how great something looks, if it's outside of God's boundary, it will lead to death in our lives. And it's so simple. It's so simple that God is life and outside of him, there is only death. And that is the most simple boundary. And I thank God that I do not have to be gifted with the, you know, the best organizing and planning skills to be able to have that structure and that stability in my life and to be able to pass that on to the next generation. Knowing our place in the world, right? That's so simple. Knowing that we are a part of the body of Christ. Knowing that Jesus has called us to make disciples and be a disciple. So they need, to sh they need us to show them, me too. I'm not just asking you to do this. I'm going to do this too because I need this structure too. I believe this and I follow this as well. And this, I love this verse. It's so simple. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's keep the first things first because without that, even the prettiest schedules and the prettiest homes, there will be disorder. There will be confusion, and there will be fear, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing how life is going to turn out. And I think that sometimes we can be so scheduled and prioritized and organized with our work, with our kids' school. We can plan to have, you know, wonderful um, systems and stuff at home and in our extracurricular activities. But if we're only setting our kids up for success in this life, We've missed the biggest, we've missed it. We've missed the biggest priority. And it's really confusing when you tell, tell a little child, you know, like, don't do this, do this. But then you never actually um, follow up on that, right? You, there's never actually a consequence for it. They're never actually held accountable for that. It just leaves them confused. And they might like it for a minute, but in the end, they're going to feel like, I don't know how to make a choice. You know, I've, they're not set up for success. And it's the same thing. It's confusing, when we say we believe God is the source of all life, he has every answer, but we don't make growing Him in him a priority. If we say that the Bible has every answer that we need, are we going to his word when we have a problem? It's really the most simple things, and it doesn't have to be complicated to provide that structure and that order. Um, and I... 
I really believe that the greatest things that life has to offer, the greatest blessings from God, they are wonderful. And he wants them, you know, wants to bless us with so many good things, but they can become destructive if they're not in the proper order. And the minute that we take something really wonderful and really good, like our children's academics, right, and the college that they're going to go to, or the sports, the extracurricular activities that we're in, or something really great like the business that God is blessing if it's not in the right order, it can just lead to ruin, and it just leads to confusion and chaos. We need to keep God first, and our hearts need to reflect that. Our kids need, uh, need to see us saying, it's true for me, too. I need it, too. I, are you excited to go to church on Sunday? And they're like, yes. Me too. I need that. I want to be with my friends. I'm so excited to learn more about God, to worship him together. I need it. Are you excited to go, you know, to, to hang out with your friends? Me too. I'm going to my small group. This is where we talk. This is where we play games. This is where I have, you know, fun with my friends. They need to see that we do it too. And we need, it needs to be reflected in our hearts, in our affections, what is first in our life. It also needs to be reflected in our schedules. What do we put first? All right, if you'll stand with me, I'm gonna, we're going to close this up. Um, these are the small group questions we've kind of been talking about the whole, the whole time here. And um, as you're looking at them and as you've been thinking about these questions, um, some of us have learned to stop dreaming, and some of them so much so that it may even be hard to answer these questions. It may have been crushed so much when you were younger that you can't even imagine who would I be now if, if that hadn't happened because it's always been that way and I don't, I don't know any other way. Um, but we need to remember that our God is a creator. You know, that he can, the spirit that rose Christ from the dead can be alive inside of us. That he, he can put a new heart inside of you. He can make something new in you again that you can't imagine again. And some of us need to know that even though we didn't get the attention that we got when we were little that we needed, that we can have that now. That we, He wants us to be the apple of his eye. He wants us to be his children again. He wants to draw us in close and pull us right in close to him. Again. We can have that attention now, even if we didn't have it when we were kids. So it doesn't matter if you have kids or you don't. We need this. We need to be childlike, not childish. And we all constantly need to be reminded that his structure is good, that it's, it brings life, that his law and his boundaries are perfect and helpful and not crushing. Um, you know, the truth is to be good parents. I don't think you need to do all these steps perfectly or read all these blogs and do what they say online and, and do all these perfect little steps. But to be a good father, you have to be a good son. And to be a good mother, you have to learn to be a good daughter. And that's exactly what this church is about, that's exactly what this faith is about, is learning to be a son and learning to be a daughter um, with the perfect father. Um, you know, we heard a story uh, about a father and a son who had a crazy idea to, uh, to take wood and turn it into these bats, and they changed their family, and they changed uh, the history of baseball. Um, but there, it made me think there's another father and son who had a crazy plan to change the whole Save the whole world, and instead of making wood into bats, the wood was turned into a cross. And instead of changing the family, Jesus hung on the cross and invites us into his family. And instead of just changing a family business, he wants to invite us into his family business, that we can be a part of his life. 
And we don't have to just sit back and say, well, I was a kid once and I don't care anymore. This is my life now, but we can be childlike again. We don't have to be childish anymore.